Welcome to the Everything Leafs podcast. I'm Kevin Papetti here with Nick D'Souza, writer at the Leafs Nation. Tonight we are recapping a 4-2 Leafs win over the Montreal Canadiens. Mikhaev, Kerfoot, Kerfoot, and Riley were your goal scorers. Nick, how's it feel to see a Leafs win? It was good. Definitely the the most important win that the Leafs have had in a couple months easily, I would say. Especially on the road. Yeah. Well, I mean... They they just quieted the crowd all night. I felt it was uh, it was something to see. I thought the NHL did a pretty good job. It felt pretty normal to me. I thought the pace of, of play was pretty fast, at least faster than the Pittsburgh Philadelphia game from earlier. But tonight we're gonna do some three stars here. Uh, the only difference is is let's do it like a snake draft. So we're gonna do uh, not a snake draft, but if you pick a player, I won't pick him. So we'll have three unique players here. I'll let you start, Nick. Who is your first of your three stars? I'll go Alexander Kerfoot. Uh, obviously, he had the two goals today. He he found, he gets the two good wingers on his on his line today, and I thought they were dangerous all night. Captain Speed uh, Kerfoot was was really just solid all around, making some nice passes, um, and played well defensively. And obviously, they had Nick Robertson on that line as well. So it's gonna be he's gonna be he's gonna have to be key. Uh, Kerfoot will in this Columbus series, so it was nice to see him uh, get off on the right foot. Yeah, I said in our last episode, I think this third line is going to be a major key just because they should have the edge in the top six. Um, Obviously, I don't know when Kerfoot became such a goal scorer, but it was nice to see him get a couple of goals tonight. I actually went with my my first star, I'm going to steal him from you here, is Nick Robertson. Uh, Just reading a a tweet from Justin Cuthbert here post-game. So he says, Sheldon Keefe says, Nick Robertson had some great sequences, played with some confidence, moved his feet, and worked. That sounds like the average Nick Robertson game to me. I think his ability on the forecheck, his quickness. Yes, he had a a bad offensive zone penalty, but um, that's really not a major part of his game uh, based on what I've seen of him in the past. I'm not too concerned there. I just thought he was great on the forecheck. He really worked hard in terms of uh, that Kerfoot tip goal, the one that came from Riley's shot. Right. Uh, he, st- he started that sequence with his own entry, uh, almost like a Zach Hyman-like work ethic. It feels like he never stops moving his feet. Uh, I don't. I think we expected the goals to come from him rather than Kerfoot, but, uh, I mean, we'll take them. So uh, that would be my, uh, my first star. I know I probably stole him from you there, but uh, what did you think of Robertson's game? Yeah, I, I just think it's a, it's a huge jump, obviously, to go from the OHL to the NHL. We've seen other players... Uh, take a little while to kind of get acclimated with the NHL game and you know I'm expecting that with Robertson but you know he wasn't perfect tonight but I thought he was good I thought like you said he was good on the forecheck um, he got a, he had a, a shot in the first period like I think it was on the power while he was on the power play and it he, it, it hit uh, Price in the logo but I feel like all of Toronto was just expecting him to score there but uh, he got a good shot off but Price just kind of overmatched him but you know, I, I definitely think that for me anyways, he's earned his spot on the team or, or he's definitely proved that he belongs here. And I think that he's shown that he can add something to this third line. Um, so for me, he should be in the in the lineup for uh, game one. How about you? My, my only concern with Robertson is from the coaching staff. I think they need to play him on his one-timer side on a power play. I was happy he was playing on that second power play. And I think that's a good sign for him going forward. Uh, but they had Spezza and Robertson on their non-one-timer sides. And if I'm Sheldon Keefe, if I'm Paul McFarland, I'd be watching some tape on Robertson because this guy's got a wicked one-timer. I'd be basically giving him the keys to power play too, saying we're revolving around your shot. 
um, because he didn't really get a power play shot as far as I saw, at least not on his, certainly not on his one-timer side. Uh, so I think that's the only kind of caveat I had. The quickness is there. He wasn't a liability. I thought that line was great all night. Uh, Nick, why don't you take us into your second start here? Um, I will go with, uh, I'll go Travis Dermott. I think that he's had a rough season and tonight we saw a lot of the things that have made him very successful in his NHL career. He was very good at defending his own line, made a couple of nice plays. Um, we, we kind of saw those, like the little head fakes and his deception as he, um, generates zone exits and on the breakout, um, he was moving his feet well on the breakout, uh, making nice little passes to the center in the middle of the ice. Just all the things that we've kind of been accustomed to with Travis Derman. It just doesn't look like the last four months has really uh, knocked off his game. So uh, I went with him. Yeah, I think Dermot, he looks a little bit hesitant to me offensively there in the third. But other than that, like I'm a huge fan. I think he's just so underrated. So good pick. Uh, I'll never complain with a Travis Dermot pick. For my second, I'm going to go with Frederick Anderson. I think coming into this game, the, the, the two players I was paying the most attention to was A, Nick Robertson, and B, Frederick Anderson, I think, uh, for much different reasons. For Anderson, he's going to be the biggest key to the Leafs' success, as any goalie is. Uh, I thought he was solid. I don't think he was spectacular. The Leafs didn't really need him to be. They didn't give up a ton of chances. I thought it was a pretty encouraging effort defensively, but wasn't really any weak goals. Uh, just got two past him. One was on a really nice Nick Suzuki pass. Um, so I'll, I'll I'll go with Anderson. I, again, I think that's basically what I was hoping for, just a steady performance from Freddie, and uh, we got it. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see that there wasn't, you know, I think the sto- it would have been a big story at least if there were, say, four or five goals let in on him. Uh, we, we'd probably be having a much different conversation right now. So just kind of having the peace of mind, that's why he's my second star. Uh, who would you have as your third? Yeah, I'll just say with Freddie, I think it's been kind of tough on him, you know, going up against Team Matthews the last couple of scrimmage um, during the training camp. And, you know, it just seems like he's been getting lit up. So especially on Leafs Twitter and kind of amongst Leaf fans, I know that there's been some, you know, kind of some, some nervousness. So it's nice for him to just get a nice game uh, under his belt. But with my third one, I will go with Ilya Mikheyev. First game in, I don't even know how long it's been now, like seven months? I so, think it was December. December. I was guess. it December? Yeah, so seven, eight months. Like, And he, he, how long did he take? Did he take 30 seconds to score? Um, yeah, it, it, was, it was great to see. Yeah, I think I thought that whole sequence was fantastic. But, um, you know, he's been one of the better players at training camp. And, you know, he obviously played extremely well today, I thought. I thought he was active off the puck. He fits in really well with Tavares and, and Marner, I thought, I thought today. And they're going to be a key uh, line in that Columbus series. So, um, you know, I'm obviously a big fan of Janssen, but And, and I, was, I was nervous about who's going to take his spot in this playoffs. But, you know, I'm, I have full confidence in Ilya Mikheyev after kind of seeing the high praise he's gotten in training camp and after watching him tonight. Yeah, he won the MVP of, of training camp as voted on by the media there which was nice to see. And he just seems to fill a hole. Obviously getting that first goal was great. I thought that really set the tone and, and kind of picked the pace up. Uh, I think that kind of puts some urgency under Montreal uh, that they just had to, they had to show up and they had to play a, a decent effort because at least we're going to bring it. So uh, I thought that just set the tone for the game. Uh, I just think he fills a hole. Like in the top six this year, there are times where it, you know, with Janssen out, with Mikhaev out, it, it just didn't seem 
the same. And now it feels like the Leafs have a defensive presence for that line, which is nice against top competition. Uh, but they also have a little bit of size. So with Hyman on one line, Mikhaev on another, um, Engvall is pretty big. You got, you know, Muzzin and Hall in the back end, Kyle Clifford. Uh, it, it feels like you just bring something to the table that they're lacking at least a little bit. So uh, great pick with Mikhaev. I'm going to go the third one here. I'm going to complete the third line with my third star. I'm going to go with Kasperi Kapanen. Uh, great on the penalty kill. He had a really nice pass to Robertson that, that led to a good chance. Uh, the speed, I thought, was evident. Uh, just, I think, what Mike Babcock wanted him to do at the start of the year, and uh, really for years, that's the, what I thought of was Babcock. Was, that's the kind of hockey I think he was looking for from Kapanen, where he's playing heavy, he's getting on the forecheck, he's using his speed, uh, he's winning some battles. I just thought it was an all-around solid performance for that line in particular. Um, so, obviously, as given what we were talking about in the last podcast on how key the third line's going to be, uh, just a great sign overall. Uh, any comments on Kapanen, Nick? Yeah, I mean, I'm not really going to reiterate. I, I agree with everything you said there. I think that one thing that I noticed today was, well, just going back to, you know, kind of his whole NHL career, we know that he's extremely fast even with the puck, but um, there's definitely been some question about whether, what type of plays can he make when he's at that top speed? Something that, you know, is very difficult to do. We look at guys like Connor McDavid, the best player in the league, because of how well he can make plays when he's going at that top speed. And, you know, obviously we don't expect Captain to make Connor McDavid like plays at that top speed, but you want to see a little bit more from him. And I thought tonight, um, in that first period, like you said, that pass, he was going quite fast there. And, and you know, in tight, he made a really nice pass to Robertson um, on the Kerfoot goal. Right at the end, he made like a little move that kind of threw the goalie off and gave off that big rebound for Kerfoot. So, that, I think, is the next step in his game, along with kind of finding that sandpaper and gritty side, which we've seen flashes of. But uh, I, th- I think the main thing that I'll add is is definitely just that little bit of playmaking and a little bit of flash when he's um, at those top speeds and in tight. So we've gone through our, th- our three stars here. Uh, give me either an honorable mention or someone who definitely wasn't in consideration, someone who... Uh, probably didn't have their best game tonight. Yeah, I mean, you know, now that we're, we're going into, you know, not their best game, I mean, it's so tough to talk. It's obviously just one game. It's a preseason game. So, um, you know, we'll kind of keep that in mind. But I didn't ex- I didn't really think Nylander was very no- noticeable today. Um, this probably has more to do with how high of standards I have of him um, rather than, you know, him just having a bad game. But... Uh, again, another player that's going to be key in this Columbus series. He had a fantastic year, both in his ability to play drive as well as his goal scoring. So they're going to need him to be at his best. Um, so, I mean, not too upset about him not having a great game, but, um, you know, you, you expect more from him. And, and you know, I expect that he will have a, a better series than he did tonight, um, you know, once the games actually become, start mattering. Yeah, I think we should title this podcast "Nick Wants to Trade Nylander. That's what I heard there, but well, I had him. Uh, I had him there as well. Uh, again, no concerns really about Nylander. Uh, going back and watching old games during the break here, I was always just so surprised and, and happy with how Nylander played. I thought he played from what I saw. It looked like he played pretty good in those in that training camp. Um, I mean, he's getting a lot of praise. Uh, you know, it's an exhibition game. If, if you watch the, the previous game, if you watch the Pittsburgh 
uh, Philly game, it, there was not a lot of intensity. So, you know, some of these guys maybe, you know, they're, they're waiting to bring it to the big moments. It's not like he's in a battle. But I thought that whole line in general is a bit weak. Um, Matthews was a, not as exciting as we're, as we're used to him being. Uh, they had a few decent chances, I guess. Uh, Hyman, I didn't really notice all that much for Hyman standards. So I think that line you expect more out of. But again, it's an exhibition game. Uh, not really too much to complain about, I guess, um, right now. I, I guess the other thing would be the power play in general. It didn't look great. Uh, any thoughts on that, Nick? Yeah, I thought that they had trouble carrying the puck into the into the zone. Once they set up, they looked a little bit more dangerous um, or a little bit more kind of organized. But uh, there was a few power plays that they had a lot of trouble uh, gaining the zone, something that they've had trouble with this year. Um, you know, like, like to me... I just feel like Nylander's not involved in that in that um, in the entries enough on the power play. I think he's a fantastic puck carrier. I think that's obvious at this point. Um, I, I just wish he was a little bit more involved. But you know, when you have Matthews and Marner and Tavares and Riley, like other good puck carriers, I, I guess you're kind of picking straws here. But um, I, I guess that would be my one uh, my my one beef. Yeah, I think with Nylander. I guess that's kind of the the price you pay for having him on the first unit. Like if you you could have him on his own unit and he'd do all the entries, but uh, given that he's now on the top unit and rightfully so, you know, it's I guess I guess that's the price you pay. Uh, I do think that he is a very good at entries and they don't use him enough, but uh, alas, I guess so. Um, with I guess with the rest, I mentioned the the Robertson Spezza thing. I really think they need to switch sides. Uh, they had a nice, they had a decent chance off the rush, the first unit, which was when Tavares just missed the net. It was off a nice pass from Marner. Uh, but other than that, I, I thought they really struggled. It seemed like the penalty kill was more dangerous than the than the power play tonight. <laughs> uh, not sure when that happens. Normally the power play, you know, maybe it's just a chemistry thing, like a, a timing thing where you need a couple exhibition games just to get in the groove here. Um, but I'd like to see him work the puck to Nylander down low. Uh, a little bit more. He was very good there this year. Uh, I, I didn't think they really generated much at all. And then on the second unit, just flip Robertson and Spezza, and you'll be fine. Robertson will generate plenty of offense from that spot if he's on his one-timer side. Uh, I guess the other thing would be the penalty kill, Nick. You can, I think, just, did you think it was more dangerous than the power play tonight? Oh, there's no question about that. I thought it was interesting, though, that, I mean, we're used to Marner Hyman being a, a pair a forward pair anyways, uh, for that penalty kill. But I thought it was interesting seeing Kerfoot and Kapitan. Um, I don't, like maybe my memory has just been a while, but I don't recall that ever being a penalty kill pairing um, throughout the year. And and I don't even know if Engvall really got a look on the penalty kill tonight. That was probably the most surprising thing I noticed tonight. Uh, like, correct me if I'm wrong. Like, have we ever seen Kerfoot and Kapitan on a penalty kill this year? Uh, two things I noticed tonight, actually, now that you bring it up. Um, first on the power play, uh, I mentioned Robertson was on. The guy that was that he took, the spot he took was Zach Hyman. So they did still have Kapanen and Kerfoot on there, uh, which was interesting. I don't really like Kapanen on the power play personally, so uh, I, I kind of like Hyman in front. Um, and then on the penalty kill, I did notice that Kerfoot in particular, he took a defensive zone faceoff to start a penalty kill. That That's normally... Uh, Freddie Gochi's job. Uh, just interesting. I guess it, it gives them an option. You you want to get him some practice in case he has to do it. But I don't recall many times seeing that. 
the penalty kill of the duos, it, it seemed to flip quite a bit. Uh, Gochi did get out there at times. You had Marner Kapanen, Marner Hyman at times. Um, but yeah, it does seem like Kerfoot's getting more time on the penalty kill. It, it, I don't think it started that way this season. I think it was Keefe that put him on there rather than Babcock. And then he got some minutes late, I believe. But uh, he seems to be, like, it's nice to have a guy that's pretty good on faceoffs there uh, that can kind of, you know, if, if Goche's out, you, you could use Kerfoot there. And it's good that he's, good to see that he's getting some practice there. Yeah, definitely. I, I just, yeah, I couldn't remember whether Kerfoot has been there, but it looked uh, it definitely looked different, like seeing him on that. But I mean, one of the pe- I think one of his goals was on the penalty kill, was it? Wasn't it? Uh, his goal, yes, yes, it was the yeah. one that we didn't know if it was going to go in. <laughs> like, I don't even think he knew if it was in. A little bit of a delayed goal horn there, but I guess it's preseason or, or exhibition for the goal horn operator as well. It's it's probably been a while since he scored. Like like longer than four months since he scored, but tonight he gets two. Um, another thing that I noticed today was um, obviously we saw the Riley CC. I thought with CC he played okay. Thought he got um, in trouble a few times when he on the breakout um, when Montreal was forechecking on him. Something that I said was going to be a problem potentially uh, in the Columbus series if they do play CC. Another thing that I noticed with him was almost like kind of uncharacteristic of him was a little bit. So Riley pinched, uh, I think it was in the second period, but Riley pinched and CeCe allowed one of the forwards to get behind him and Montreal made the pass and they had a little breakaway. Um, Nothing came of it, but I just thought it was a little uncharacteristic where like if you're playing CeCe, like you, you need him to stay home. I mean, that's kind of an issue that you would expect a Riley Dur- uh, Riley Berry pairing to happen. And, and I just thought to myself, like, if CeCe's going to play, they that can't happen. Yeah, I think it was a bit of a rough night for CeCe in the sense that, he, I mean, he took two penalties. Um, the short-handed goal that he was in front of the net for, I don't really blame him for. I think that was just a nice play from Suzuki. Uh, but he did get beat a little bit. Um, I didn't think he was terrible, but... It kind of wasn't all that encouraging. I thought Marinson as well didn't play very well. Uh, you kind of had a bad turnover there uh, in the defensive zone. Uh, I, I don't think there's too much to say about CC. We know he's a stay-at-home guy. I'm a little bit worried for that riley CC pairing, um, but I think it is what it is at this point. Uh, I guess the, the other major thing I noticed from this game was just how bad Montreal's power play was. It was just, it failed to get anything going. I wanted to jump on the ice myself and, and play on their power play or at least coach it because it was, uh, it was a little bit sad to see there. Yeah. And uh, I think I saw one tweet where I was like, is is the Leafs power play just really good or is it that Montreal's power play is really bad? So, I mean, it, it is kind of good translation because they're going to go up against a Columbus team that has a power play that's not very good. And and I know you said on the last pod, like, you have no problem, and neither do I, trading power plays in this upcoming series. So I think today combined, like, I know Montreal had six power play um, opportunities. I, I'm sure the Leafs were probably around the same. I think at least four to my, uh, to my memory. But um, we'll see if the refs are as strict once the playoffs start. Um, I'm expecting that they're not, but I mean, if they trade power plays with Columbus and you're you're also getting some offense from your penalty kill, 
uh, this this series against Columbus might not last very long. Yeah, I I mean that's kind of the dream if you can get that offense from the penalty kill. Um, yeah, I guess I guess the other one other player I want to give an honorable mention to. I didn't put him in my three stars, but he was probably the next one. Jake Muzzin. That guy does not know what an exhibition game is. <laughs> at, at times, I was like, please don't get hurt. Uh, he had a huge hit. Uh, I think pretty early on there. Uh, just the intensity he played with. Uh, you know, I was happy to see that intensity because I was very bored from the the Penguins Flyers game. It just felt like an exhibition game. I don't know about you, but for me, it felt like a regular hockey game. I thought the NHL did a great job with you know covering up the seats. The arena looked cool. Uh, I thought the like it, just with the, I guess the commentary and the, the goal horns and a little bit of the crowd noise. I guess. It felt like a normal game, despite you know the unique circumstances. How did it feel for you? I thought it felt good, but um, you know it looked good. But the thing, the thing is that there's only one preseason game, so they need to be playing close to 100% in my mind because you know you can't really go from 50% and then on Sunday they got game one in a best of five series. So, like I, I thought it looked good. Um, and it was nice to see the intensity. I thought Muzzin, that was, like, he just trucked him over. Um, I can't pronounce his name. I, I, um, but, like, the poor, I think he was one of the Habs rookies, right? Bazil or something like that? Yeah. I didn't know who he was. Bazil? Yeah, but he, uh, like, (laughs) if he wasn't ready for the playoffs on the weekend, he was after that hit. Um, I'm, I'm glad that they showed that Krug hit, um, the the hit from on from Muzzin on Krug last year in the playoffs. Did, did you see that during the intermission? Yeah, I was at that game last year, like in Boston, and just yeah, it's it's like the whole crowd just gasped. Oh like, wow! Seeing Muzzin hit do that hit in person, like he can just he just rocks guys. I went, I went to Muzzin's first home game in Toronto, and I remember oh, wow. him having a huge hit and got a standing ovation and then yes. <laughs> later on he came back with a goal and everyone was just kind of on cloud nine it was I, I think it's just a player that fans can get behind um he's obviously a fan favorite and uh it's, it's just it's just a fun player to watch play especially given the way he defends and you know the, the needs the Leafs have yeah, I think that's actually a decent transition because I wanted to talk a little bit about the fourth line um and the transition would be to Kyle Clifford um, at one point, so we saw like a number of different looks on that fourth line. Um, we saw Engvall out there with Gauthier and Clifford. We saw Spezza out there on the fourth line. What is your ideal mix? I know we've seen Engvall at center. We've seen Spezza at center. Um, so what would be your ideal combination on Sunday, especially after seeing tonight? I would keep the top nine the same, and then the fourth line I'd go, you know, Clifford's going to be in, Spezza's going to be in. I'm not getting too picky about Engvall versus Goche. Uh, I think Engvall is a better player. I think he gives you a little bit more offense. He's certainly, I mean, Engvall's got a great shot. He's a breakaway threat with his speed. Uh, I think he's the better penalty killer. But Goche has more experience playing center, better on faceoffs. Uh, if you if you want him for the, if you want him for the the penalty kill faceoff instead of Kerfoot, I don't think it's a big deal, but. Uh, you could use him there. I thought Gochi actually played pretty well tonight. He seems to play well whenever he's in competition. Whenever he's about to come out of the lineup, he, he picks it up. But uh, I would probably go Engvall there. Uh, but other than that, I really like the lineup right now. 
uh, especially as we said in the last episode, that third line is going to be so key. If that line's clicking, uh, I guess the, the last kind of piece of the puzzle here is to get the power play going, but uh, it feels like they have a, an edge in the top six against Columbus, and uh, I, I saw what I wanted to see tonight in terms of that third line. So uh, I'm just pretty happy with the lineup overall. Yeah, I'll say something about the fourth line. I think that they... I also want Engvall, Clifford, and Spezza. Um, I think that's kind of the best lineup. I, I don't see Gauthier making into the top 12 uh, come game one. I was okay with his game today. I thought that he looked a little bit out of place at times. Uh, had like some turnovers where... Which is kind of like the last thing you want with Gauthier there because he's supposed to be kind of your solid, defensively sound, low event player. Um, so that's kind of my big reasoning why I wouldn't have him in the lineup. But one thing that I'll just say generally about the fourth line is I don't think the Leafs have ever had a fourth line like they do right now, um, especially comparing to the past. I know last year they had Trevor Moore on that fourth line. The year before that, they had Janssen on the fourth line. Um, and, at, and at times, I think Kapanen started the, on the fourth line two years ago. So they've always had like kind of younger kind of spunky players on that fourth line. And I think this is the most experienced fourth line they've ever had, even though they have Engvall um, there. So I don't know. I just thought it's, it's, a, it's the biggest fourth line they've ever had in terms of size, definitely. And, and I just don't think they have that speed uh, there that they have in the past, but still effective in, in its own right, obviously. I'm, I'm interested to see it. I'm not a huge fan because as you said, I don't see a lot of speed there. I'd like maybe a little bit more offense, but is a very defensively responsible line, whether it's Angball or Goche. Uh, I don't think, like, I wouldn't mind, like, someone like Adam Brooks, like, even though he's not on the team, like, someone like that, just to add a little bit more, uh, almost like, creativity next to next to Spezza, someone for him to kind of play off of um, while Clifford drives the net. But, you know, I, I'm not too concerned. I think it's going to be a defensively responsible line. Um, I want you to take a guess at this here. So, Platinum Seat ghosts on twitter third period suits is his his handle should he put out a poll should nick robertson be in the lineup on sunday there's two options here just yes or no what do you think the poll is sitting at through about a thousand votes (laughs) um thousand votes i need a percentage let's go 90 actually probably like 89 i'll go 89 that's pretty good. It was 92. Oh, okay, right I'll now. take that. So, it's 11 minutes left, so we'll see if it goes down to 89. I'm going to be voting no. Yeah, it'll be kind of cool as a number. <laughs> you went with a number there. Pretty good at this game. I'm going to go with no just to bring the percentage down a little bit. But, um, but yeah, I guess we'll, we'll... I also wanted to talk about uh, Sean Keith. I thought I think that his in-game adjustments is going to be huge. What did you think of him going with... Well, first of all, the, the third line of Dermot Barry is going to get a ton of offensive zone starts. I think we both knew that. But tonight he went with Dermot Barry, and then the forwards were Matthews, Tavares, um, Marner. And the he, he put that up against the Domi, the, which is Montreal's fourth line, and their third pairing. Yeah, I mean, it's something that you guess you see after a penalty kill quite often from him, which I like doing. And I think with Kerfoot there... You can have the confidence of him to take the next shift and play defensive hockey. Uh, it worked out well. Uh, I did think today, like they're they're mixing up the lines a lot, just because they had seven defensemen and, and thirteen forwards. Uh, I actually thought the worst shift of the night for the Kerfoot 
line came with Engvall. He was in place of Robertson just for a shift there in the third uh, where they got hemmed in. But again, like such a small sample. Uh, it'll be interesting to see come playoff time, I guess, when they when they ramp things up, um, just how much Matthews is playing then versus an exhibition game. Uh, but it, but it did feel like you know, it did feel like a, a regular season game at the very least, just in terms of how Keith was coaching. Like just the fact that he's even though it's an exhibition game, just the fact that he's doing these sorts of things makes it feel like you know the intensity is quite high. Yeah, and I think that he's getting it, getting used to it. I mean, I like kind of getting back in the swing of things because I'm hoping that he does this quite a bit in the in the playoffs um, against a team like Columbus. Like you're going to need as many players as you can on the ice that are going to try and get into those uh, dangerous scoring areas. And might I add, like tonight, Toronto was like I didn't really see any useless kind of like measly point shots like they were all over the slot area like when they were shooting it was when they were in the slot area um I don't know if you've seen the the shot map for tonight but there's a huge difference between Toronto side and Montreal side I think Montreal got nothing going um Toronto just the Matthews line was a bit a bit lackadaisical at times I think they'll probably pick it up that third line was great uh, I thought the Leafs definitely outplayed them and, and deserved the win but, uh, Nick, it's great to be talking to you on a wedding note here. Uh, I think we'll, we're going to be doing regular post-game podcasts throughout the playoffs. That's the goal, at least. So thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll see everyone after next game. 